Hello, hello. Welcome to Tuckered Out with me, Ami Tucker. Today's interview was super fun. So I think you guys know by now I have lived in India twice. Once after my Enron days when I was trying to be a radio jockey person thing slash MTV person. I don't really even know what I was doing, but it was an awesome year in Bombay. And then the second time around, I moved there with my husband through his company. We got to live in Delhi and Bangalore for three years. So Delhi, Bangalore, Bombay, got to do all three cities, all very different cities, and really got to know the country, I think, in a very different way than my parents have. And today's guest also got the experience to live and work in the country on his own. Rishi Jetley is the founding CEO of Times Bridge. Times Bridge is the U.S.'s largest venture firm, bringing the world's best ideas and technology to India and increasingly Asia. And so it was just super fun to talk to him because we both were raised here, born and raised in the U.S. We know we have a connection to India, but getting the chance to actually work there on our own without any family definitely brings a whole new light to that country and your relationship and connection to it. So it was fun just exchanging stories. He's had a super interesting and fantastic professional career, great personal stories, just a great guy to talk to. So I really hope you enjoy my interview with Rishi Jaitley. We are supported by Rocket Club. Rocket Club is the virtual entrepreneurship, coding, and robotics academy for kids age 7 through 14. And guys, my 7-year-old started the class like a month ago and absolutely loves it. They've covered topics such as blockchain and cryptocurrencies and the coding behind the technology. They've talked about stock market analysis, NFTs, aka non-fungible tokens, which I'm trying to figure out what that means. And they do all of it through a exciting gamified curriculum. So it's super engaging and fun for kids. They also have 22 additional communities, including coding, robotics, 3D printing, and Rocket Club Live. And they are fully virtual. They have members from 29 different states and also from England, Ireland, and India. It's super, super cool, super exciting. You can check them out by going to my landing page at www.rocketclub.com backslash tuckered out. And make sure you go through my page so you can take advantage of the free trial. Again, www.rocketclub.com backslash tuckered out. Okay, so Rishi, where did you grow up? So I was, uh, you know, I like to say I was born in the Bronx, grew up in Queens, uh, don't like the Yankees, grew up a Mets fan. Uh, and then right before sixth grade, my folks said, well, we got to we got to give you guys some green space and we don't really know how to figure out the public schools in New York City. Um, and so we moved to the suburbs, moved to Connecticut uh, in Greenwich and uh, lived there in middle school and high school. So Flushing, Queens 
and Greenwich, Connecticut are my twin grow up experiences, two pretty different places, but both I think inform who I am today in my career. Yeah. That sounds exactly like what we were thinking, New York City. And then I was like, I'm not going to try to figure out schools. This is ridiculous. Yeah. So straight to the verbs. I guess my parents, um, you know, I haven't really talked to them about this and whether that was, it was a part of it. Um, but I think it was also for them, you know, as immigrants from India to the U.S., they both have a little bit of the American dream in them. And I think um, this really, they were excited through learning, talking to colleagues. They're both doctors. Um, about this thing called the suburbs, and uh, you know, the randomness took hold, and we ended up in ended up in Greenwich. Well, look, I, I'm here now, and it's it's not a it's not too shabby. <laughs> it's, it's not it's it's very beautiful. So we are thoroughly enjoying it. And then, what was your parents' immigration story like? Why did they end up coming to the U.S.? Well, it's it, it, you know, it's funny you ask. Um, so we'll we'll get to this later, but in in college, I actually wrote my entire senior thesis about American immigration policy towards South Asia, India specifically, and the journey of Indians to the United States and how that unfolded over not just the last few decades, but over centuries. Um, And so I've always been really curious about how that all happened. I mean, my parents, you know, both, both of their families had what I would call a first mover a first mover who came to Canada or the U.S. to study. I suspect that's pretty common. And I think my parents, uh, on some measure, were inspired and moved and um, by, by that story uh, and then came as well to, with a cohort to pursue their careers. They're both doctors. Um, and so their story is perhaps a fairly common story of, you know, doctors trained largely in India, showing up in the United States to work. Um, but there are first movers ahead of them uh, in their own families that it created kind of the foundation to make that all easy. Right. Um, but that's their that's their story. Uh, they ended up in Houston initially. Uh, hey, so it's, where it, it's where I'm from. It's where I'm there you from. Go. That's there like, you before go. you say anything bad. <laughs> yeah, I could have been a Texan, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a New Yorker, I guess, uh, well, who's, who's moved around a lot. You know what, Rishi? I am having to deal with not having any Astros gear in my house anymore. My husband <laughs> will not let me. And so, and I know you're not a Yankees fan. So at least you're not an Astros fan, right? Like... Yeah. No, I'm not an Astros fan. And I was too, <laughs> I was too young in 86 when I think the Mets beat the Astros. Um, or in the late 80s, the Mets and the Astros had a little thing going. Yeah. Uh, and there were some epic, epic games that I was too young to really fully process. But uh, no, yeah, they, they're in Houston and then ended up in New York where my mother's family really still has a, a, a big footprint. And I've been the guy who's, who's bounced around since then. Uh, never yeah. lived as an adult in, in the New York area, but, you know, is, is home. Right, right. So your parents... Can't really say the typical, I came to America with three bucks in my pocket and no family kind of situation. I, I may or may not have that, have heard that story anyway. Uh, <laughs> okay. Maybe not $3, maybe four fifty. I don't, I don't know what the story is. Um, but, you know, they, yeah, I mean, I think, I think as, as they both say, they came with an education. Uh, they certainly came with an education and they came, you know, I've thought a lot about what is it about the Indian immigrant what do the what what do the what do they have in common? And I think it's attitudinal. I think both my parents share an American attitude, and I wonder whether I often wonder whether that's sort of something um, we all inherit 
um, as Indian Americans. And the attitude was, yes, even though they're doctors, they were intent on practicing a different sort of medicine and being engaging and relational and a little bit entrepreneurial. Um, and, and I think they had that in them and they, and they both pushed themselves to try out different things in their career, um, in their medical career. Um, and, uh, maybe some of that is in me though. I'm not a doctor, of course. Yeah. Well, oh, we'll get to that. Don't worry. <laughs> so did, was it was a typical South Asian household. Were they super strict, conservative, chill? Yeah. I think, I think growing up the sense was, um, actually that my parents, particularly after we got to Connecticut, um, were really thoughtful about Americana and about making sure and about assimilation that we wouldn't use that word. I mean, I was uh, in middle school going to, uh, or elementary school going to Mets games. I was uh, going to all kinds of sporting events in, in middle school and high school. I, my driver's license was a big deal. Um, we had a lot of fun. And I think that was um, in some ways uh, as a result of where we were, I'm a big believer in place matters. And I think just being in the suburbs really fueled and not being around that many Indian folks. I mean, really, one summary of me is Flushing, Queens, my friend group looked like the United Nations. And then in Greenwich, Connecticut, not so much. Right. And so really, one had to lean into Americana. Right. Um, I think in retrospect, though, you know, while we while we were growing up, um, my cousins in Queens, I think, had a different sort of upbringing than we did in Connecticut. In retrospect, though, yeah, I mean, fairly traditional. Uh, I would say, you know, not 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 a, a lot of Indian food at home, simple weekends, um, not a lot of bells and whistles. Uh, but but we had it, you know, we had it good. Uh, yeah, really yeah, did. totally. Yeah, you know, yeah. I grew up in in Houston. I grew up in Clear Lake, which was predominantly white. Um, but my parents, I grew up in a pretty strict. You are a Hindu. You you will never date a boy ever household. Um, and they made sure we were going to, to Monday every Sunday. So that was like, oh, okay. my, cause Houston obviously has a ton of Indians. Um, we just happened to be in an area that did it. And so I feel like I got a good mixture too, but like on every weekend it was, it was the Indian crew from Monday. Every yeah. Weekend, so. The thing, the, the thing for us was, you know, cause obviously since then I've met so many folks, um, who grew up in similar fashion. I think the biggest difference for us is we just didn't have Indian uh, family friends, maybe by right. virtue of where we were, and so all of our kind of Indianness flowed from kind of extended family, and all of our friend Greenwich life was not Indian, and so we had this kind of double existence. And um, you know, as a as a kid growing up, you're you're spending most of your time outside of an Indian context, and so what I really struggled with, I mean, when I got to college, and really till the end of college, was I wasn't really in touch with my Indian identity. Uh, I, I was, um, hadn't explored it, uh, was shy about it. Um, and, and it's ironic that the guy who at the end of college didn't really have many or any Indian friends kind of, I've spent a lot of my career in yeah. the orbit, in the orbit of all things India. Uh, I was just about to say, you made up for it for sure <laughs> in your career. And maybe, well, what's, that's what's, why. maybe that's why you. Exactly. I think, I think what's really what I when I think about this, because I, you know, my wife, for instance, grew up um, in a very an Indian community. I didn't grow up in an Indian community. Um, I grew up outside of an Indian community, but f- as a result, perhaps my interest in India was sort of intellectual, 
academic, almost anthropological. And I was right. more interested in India as a place. And so honestly, my, my first exposure to India was in college in an academic context. Right. And so, and then I've kind of backed into the social stuff uh, later, which is maybe, right. maybe the reverse of how others have done it. Hey, it, it works either way. Um, so, and I, I ask all, all my, my South Asian guests this, what was your parents' views on dating, relationships, marriage? Was that something, again, that was pretty, they were pretty lax about or? I would say, you know? yeah, I would say it was mostly unspoken. You know, okay. there was just not, there was not a lot of explicit in the air on that stuff. I think because you're a boy, you guys always, all the, all my male <laughs> guests have the same answer. And I'm like, you know what? I'm starting to see a pattern here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we just, we just didn't talk about it, but I think it was understood that job one was to study hard. Job two was to um, study hard and, and, and all that. Um, I think it was unspoken and they, you know, parents lived, uh, lived and lived fairly simple lives. So I think that that's the cue we all took. Um, but you know, I, I wouldn't say there was anything explicit on that front growing up. Well, lucky you, Rashid. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, Should have come to my house. <laughs> right, yeah. I had a list of of who I could not date, which was like everyone pretty much. Lot, lots of sneaking out of windows for me. Um, <laughs> so then you go to Princeton and you get a degree in history and American studies. And so I got to ask again from the South Asian angle: totally. Were your parents like, "What? What's happening here? Like, what is this well, degree? Like, is it gonna? Are you gonna make money out of this thing?" <laughs> well, there is. Um... You know, when I applied to college and even got to got to Princeton, I had I thought I'd, I thought I'd be pre-med. I did. I checked that box on the application. I took, you know, um, some high high level chemistry or something freshman year. And but I, you know, I think what I realized immediately then was kind of drinking the maybe the Princeton Kool Aid or something. They were they were telling me they the institution were like, hey, study what awakens you and awakens your mind. College is about intellectual expansion because that will help you always. And so I just decided, I was like, I, I can't, I, I, I just have always had an affinity for history. And so I, I do vividly recall, I mean, the, this conversation I had um, with, uh, with my parents where I told them that pre-med wasn't happening uh, and I was going to start running towards the humanities. And uh, again, my, my memories of the conversation are mostly what went unsaid. Um, I don't think there was ever, ever anything explicit uh, in the air. I think what I think what I did do what I did do to make them proud was sort of over rotated extracurricular things on campus. Uh, so they saw me as less of just like an academic agent, but but like oh I'm a three dimensional per- Rishi's a three dimensional person doing other things, right? And, and maybe those things are a ticket to success. But I, I, I do have a very vivid memory of that dropping pre-med conversation uh, with my dad the fall of freshman year. Um, and, um, you know, just sort of a feeling in the air is what I remember more right. than more than anything uh, <laughs> right. explicit. <laughs> but you, you remember it, so it was kind of a conversation. Oh, I remember the feeling. Yeah. yeah. Feeling. Well, look, I, I had that my brother became a doctor. So I was kind of off the hook. Um, but after I got, I think, I don't know, a C in, or, in organic chem freshman year, I'm like, well, that'll do it. I, I don't think this is going to work out for me. And I, I also went to UT Austin. And so I, I think maybe your parents are like, okay, at least he's at Princeton. So like, he'll figure something out. My parents are like, 
what are you going to do? I'm like, uh, it's, it's fine. I'll end up marrying an Indian boy and all, it will all work out. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, yeah. So I, I also checked pre-med and then quickly unchecked it. What was your, what'd you, what'd you study at UT Austin? I was at the business school, undergrad business, business school, school, undergrad and then business did, school. Did the economics route. I don't know why. There you go. That's, that's, that's hard quantitative, right? I mean, I was, I was drifting in the clouds. I should have been in the clouds because I'm not even good at math. I don't even, I don't understand yeah. any of my decision-making at the time. There was no guidance for me really, I think yeah. with, with my parents or within the school, UT is 50,000 students, whatever it is. And so mm. I was just doing what I thought I should do as a, as a South Asian. Yeah. This podcast mm. is my therapy basically. Um, <laughs> and so then after graduation, I mean, you're, I was looking through your LinkedIn and reading stuff about you have done a lot of stuff. So I know we, we have a limited time. So I want to talk a little bit about Google. Sure. Um, and you were there doing during Google's entry into South Asia, uh, you did global communications for Google CEO, which I assume is like writing for the president of the United States. (laughs) Kind of, It sort of of felt like that back then, right? Because big tech, uh, companies like Google, um, massive halo around them, right? Uh, 15, 15 ish years ago, still, still there, of course. Uh, but it did, the, the, the companies did feel larger than life at that point in time. Was it your intention to work in India or did you ask to go? Well, it's, it's again, one of those really interesting stories where I, in my first couple of years at Google was in the U S had this extraordinary job kind of helping shape global public policy advocacy for the company, um, supporting communications for the chairman and CEO of the company traveling around the world it was in DC, then in California, but the sense that that was the thing that was building in me kind of, again, makes me, takes me back to that sense building me in me in college, which is I didn't feel like I was my own person. I didn't feel connected to place. Um, I didn't feel connected to my leadership capacity. And so this is right around the time Tom Friedman had just written The World is Flat. And I remember it was just a very naive thought, right? I mean, I, even though I'd done some academic work on India, I, I thought my career was going to be a domestic public service policy, right. law schooly, you know, teacher, public office type of career. But I was just enamored by this notion that my um, the land where my ancestors were from uh, was beginning to loom large and kind of how the world works. And so it was a super naive thought where I was like one day. What if I went to India with Google? Um, not not because I had any inclination, commercial inclination. It was more soulful, hmm. and and uh, counterintuitive for a lot of people in many respects. Again, I remember a conversation with my parents where there was this: "Wait, we spent all this time moving to the U.S., and you have this extraordinary platform here. You're going to go backwards." I remember that conversation and, you know, the full circle moments a couple of years later where I'm hosting my parents in India and showing them in India, they don't know. Right. Right. In India, you know, um, a kind of culture in India, the, the, uh, what it's like to do business in India, to travel in India. And so, yeah, no, it was, uh, never my intention, but it was, it was again, driven by my interest in place. Um, I'm a place-based guy. I love getting my hands around places and um, connecting and giving others a novel way to see place. Yeah. Uh, But it was, it was soulful more than anything else. 
Well, so Rishi, we, we, and my husband, we have the same story as you. We're very place-based. And, mm-hmm. um, when he graduated from business school, he was working with Pepsi before business school and then working afterwards as well, of course. Uh, he was in a, a leadership program with them. Mm-hmm. And we both decided that, cause we got married in between his first and second year. We both, both decided that, uh, why don't we try India? Like it was never a place that, Pepsi had sent people for this program. Wow. But we were like, why not explore this place that we both kind of know, not really, um, but actually live and work there. And so in, in this same story, I remember well, hosting my parents. Um, yeah. And I, I believe you were in Delhi, correct? First... Yeah, I was in Delhi the, the first time. Yeah. Right. You so we, I just there. missed you. I just missed you because we moved in 09 to Gorgon. Oh. Yeah, we were 07 to 09 in Delhi. Okay. But sometimes it's, sometimes it's those visceral instincts right, right that, that you got to pay attention to right i've never been one to spreadsheet out or pro con big big decisions in life you just got to feel it and i think what you realize like way later in your career and you, you're an example of this i mean look at what you've you've created here you realize that that's that's actually what helps you break through the clutter right, right? when you've lived your life and your career with your soul and feeling and narrative and your compass in mind oh my god that's that's where gravity comes from. That's what attracts productive inbound. And that's what gives you conviction to get things done. Right. Um, and so in India, I, f- I feel like I've been highly effective in the back and forth of India is because I, I care. Um, and I think uh, I'm glad I paid attention to that feeling 15 years ago. I, I would never have predicted I'd still be working on India 15 yeah. years later. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, that, that's amazing the way you put that because I have led with my soul in terms of all my career turns. And I feel yeah. like there's, that's a common thread with a lot of the Indian Americans that end up going back there to work. I ended up working with this exclusively in, uh, hmm. based in Delhi. I don't know if you know that group of people. Um, yeah. Yeah. So good friends with Anu Dugal and, and Sanjay and all them. Um, and I felt like everyone kind of had that same attitude towards being in India. Totally. It was, it was, yeah. I think that there was a wave of people, uh, many, you know, many of whom we know in common who were in India kind of in the mid late 2000s i i just used tom friedman's book as like an interesting marker i think that's an 04 05 06 book right where all of a sudden um it's india seemed different i'll never forget when bill clinton visited india in march of 2000 i was just finishing high school and my dad you know just it was a huge deal to see a yeah. u.s president visit india for a number of days in such a big way and enjoy these meals and it felt like india was just like a different place uh, right. to be. And so, yeah, I was just really, but it, the irony, of course, like of, of being someone who growing up, I, I never really felt connected to my heritage with any depth to be so, um, so committed to the place now is just, you know, never lost on me. You kind of did your own form of therapy and you had no yeah. idea, basically. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. My yeah. version of your podcast. Exactly. Exactly. My podcast. I'm just doing this for myself, for my own therapy. So, <laughs> um, but I do walk out of every interview with, with something. So, um, so in Delhi, where were you based exactly? So we lived in South Delhi, okay. uh, and our, and the Google office was in Gurgaon and, uh, we I could have but, we could have passed each other. We yeah. were we were right there. On NH8, on NH8? Phase five, phase five or something. Phase yeah, five, that's yeah. Was, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gurgaon was interesting. I think I got dengue fever like twice that those two years. But, oh, the, um, the, wor- the worst is like you know the phases are not numbered right sequentially, <laughs> and the, and then like I'll never forget the fifty five minute U turn 
like you see you see where you got to go i see my office but like you just got to do spend about three quarters of an hour you turning to to get to where you yeah. got to pull in and yeah and then you <laughs> end up like in noida and you're like wait i don't understand this i mean like i don't i never paid attention to the roads thankfully we had a driver yeah. although yeah. i did i did read white tiger right before i went and i'm like huh this is great interesting book. great book <laughs> great book um yeah, but Delhi was a beast in its own way. And then we ended up in Bangalore for two years after that. Okay, so gotcha, A whole gotcha. other India. Yeah, I don't know Bangalore as well. I've spent yeah. uh, a little bit of time there, but don't know it as well. Well, we can talk about, yeah, we can. We should do another podcast on that. There's just so much to living there day to day. Um, <laughs> so I know Google, I mean, like your role there, you know, you did a lot of stuff. I read that, you know, you had to work with a lot of politicians to help yeah. them use the internet for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any like favorite story out of there, out of that experience you could talk about? <laughs> Cause you did a lot of cool, so I mean, you're talking memories. about like internet censorship there. You had to deal with oh that. I mean, I mean, I, yeah, I got to, so, um, the internet itself was nascent in India then, not right. just Google. And so a lot of the work of expanding Google in India uh, was getting institutions comfortable with the internet. And in those days, you know, the, the dynamic was you had this thing called Orkut. Do you remember Orkut? Or, no. So it was, it was Google's social network founded by a guy named Orkut. Google. <laughs> uh, and and it, became, it became really popular in Brazil and India. Um, and so I remember a lot of conversations with politicians and government officials who ostensibly were looking to have some content taken down. I remember a lot of conversations with folks where they were like, you know, in Hindi or what have you, um, take me to the Google employee who's posting all of these pictures on Orkut. And I'm like, sir, actually, we don't post everything on social media. We don't upload the videos on YouTube. There are people around the country doing that. And and the nature of those conversations are the kinds of things I'll never forget. Um, but it took a lot of humility and empathy, actually. You know, one of the things I learned really there was empathy and humility, because you, you have to approach those conversations with a spirit of understanding uh, and, and a good sense of humor as well. I was also in India during the, the terrorist attacks in Bombay in uh, November of 08, 2611, as they're known in India. I'll never forget right. that night. And uh, and then the ensuing days interacting with folks in the Bombay police and visiting in the Indian parliament a few days later, um, because the allegations, of course, were that those terrorists had used Google tools. Um, and so the, the big picture takeaways, like not only was I in India as an American, I, I was sort of in the middle, I was in the fabric of the place, right? When you're interacting with politicians, you're necessarily not interacting kind of um, you're having to bring the color of the place with you. And, 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 um, and so in your spirit, in your language, in your approach, um, highly relational, lots of three to four hour cups of chai, uh, <laughs> lots of, did you start the, this, I mean, were you naturally doing I don't, the head I don't think I ever went there, but you know, my, my, you, you know things, what, Rishi, you might have and might not have even known. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. It just, it just comes. <laughs> one of the things that I, I don't know if you struggled with, but one of the things I struggle, struggle with sometimes still do is sort of accent evolution where like, I, I, I think I'm very impressionable. Again, place-based guy, you put me in a place, I'll, I'll be that place. And so I did get to a point where some folks were like, Hey, you know, when did you come back to India? And I'm like, what? They're like, when did you return? I'm like, no, I, 
I, I'm here, I'm going back to the US one day. Um, and so I think I, I view that as a positive where right? I got very uh, good at feeling feeling local. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, lots my, of good memories from those days. My husband, by second year, just had an Indian accent. And I, he would come home and I'm like, but you're not in the office anymore. Like, why? what's, <laughs> what's happening now? Like, yeah. why, why are you continuing this? Yeah. He, just, he just dove right in, you know? <laughs> so, well, I, I should also just say as part of the Google experience, I, I got to visit Pakistan uh, when I was at Google, which you know, is part of our South Asian heritage, right? Uh, I, was, I got to be the first Googler to visit Pakistan, spent a week there meeting with government officials and business partners and users. And um, it was extraordinary. It was extraordinary to feel this is in the summer of 08 the oneness of the Indian subcontinent of our kind of shared culture. Uh, and obviously, of course, to try to move, move the ball forward for the company in, 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 uh, in the region. But yeah, just an extraordinary experience where I was just like, I can't believe I'm here when a few years ago, I was thinking about myself in a very different way. <laughs> right, right. We yeah. didn't go to Pakistan. So that's amazing that you got to experience that. And then, and, and this is just, again, just out of curiosity, what was the most challenging part about working in India? Because I, I know what ours was. And so I'm just curious, what, what do you think yours was? Hmm. I think, I think the thing that I, um, I think the thing that I would point to is just sort of pace and speed. Uh, you know, I think what one of the things you realize about yourself, maybe uh, having grown up in America, or maybe it's, uh, um, is just, we're just used to and take for granted, maybe um, hustle, speed, hustle, speed, change, um, restlessness. And I think, I think in, in, for me, that's probably the thing that I remember the most is wishing I could see whether it was an idea, initiative I was taking a market or a change I was proposing in public policy or, you know, uh, something else. Right. I think that's that's probably the theme that comes to mind the most. Okay. Um, I think I think by and large, though, uh, we had such a you know, I actually credit my year's first chapter in India as being so that's where I think I discovered big question, big answer, Rishi, you know, mm -hmm. I think because I, and creative me and entrepreneurial me, right. I mean, I wasn't just like well-educated person, number 53 in a room talking about a pretty small problem. Like, you know, we, 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 every one of us shouldered big questions and big answers. And I think it, it trained me to kind of always be thinking, communicating and, and doing in that way. So it was, pretty transformational couple of years for me. Right. No, I think it was uh, for me and for my husband as well. Although his hair turned completely white because okay. he's pretty type A. So the, doesn't refer to now, but what he used to refer to in India was lack of efficiency. And I'm like, well, it's just different speed there, right? Different like speed, yeah. not necessarily yeah. not efficient. It's efficient in different ways. Totally. And so yeah. I think it's a, uh, it was a good learning lesson for all of us to, to live there. So yeah, yeah the, definitely. I've, I've had, I, I get made fun of, or I have lots of memories around, um, around really interesting customer service phone calls. Let's just leave it. At, <laughs> let's just leave it at that. Maybe that's a whole nother genre unto itself. We can actually do a whole other podcast on that. Cause I feel like I have <laughs> so many stories. My husband even has a three idiot story. If you, did, did you watch that movie? Three idiots? Of course. Yeah. 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 He made a speech in, uh, Karnataka. Hmm said the wrong word. Okay. 
did not work out. Well, we'll talk yeah. about we'll talk about over drinks when you come to Greenwich. Yeah. So then uh, after this first chapter in India, I know you worked at College Summit twice, kind of in between, and then you yeah. ended up heading back to Michigan and co-founding yeah. Michigan Core and working at the Knight Foundation in Detroit. Yeah. Um, so I guess, again, what made you decide to make that leap into starting your own thing and kind of becoming a civic entrepreneur? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, coming back from India, back in the U.S., this is right after the Obama election. Keep in mind, India had gotten me hooked on big question, big answer, the big, big question, big answer side of me. And it was hard to be in the U.S. during that period and not be, one, tuned into all the, all the economic challenges facing the country, but also all the, all the optimism about things could be better. Um, and so just had it, we just had an idea, right? My wife's from Michigan and okay. we realized that Michigan's one of these places that um, everyone's from and too many people leave. Uh, the CEOs then, uh, the founders of, one of the founders of Google, CEO of Microsoft, one of the former CEO of Twitter, one of the, two of the founders of Groupon, CEO Sun Microsystems, all from Detroit, Craigslist guy. And so we said, well, what if we could build an internet platform that helped people give back to their home state, no matter where they live, kind of a new version of AmeriCorps or Peace Corps, ask, ask what you can do for your state. Right. Uh, it was just an idea that hit us one day and we decided to go for it. But again, I kind of, I wonder often where that risk taking came from or that sense of entrepreneurial adventure came from. Because if you would have known me in high school, I was, again, the future science doctor kid, science fair guy. I wasn't, I was by no means kind of the the adventurer, I would don't, say. Don't you uh, think your uh, parents were the OG risk takers? There you go. Totally there you go. That's, that's totally all our parents. Right. I think that's why we we have it. We have it. I think that's totally right. And, you know, and ironically, I credit India with um, with giving it to me, too. If you go on YouTube, I'm not sure if this is part of your research, it's, uh, but if you go on YouTube to a channel called India Voices. I, I am, did. Yeah. OK, yeah. You'll see all these like videos I did kind of on the side and, you know, like it was my, very cool. Yeah. My point is I kind of credit India with my entrepreneurial nature, um, which, which reflects really well on, and reveals something about India. But that's, that's what made Detroit, the three years in Detroit happen. We tried to be social entrepreneurs there. We're pretty successful. Um, uh, and it was, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. So then back to India. Back to India. Not chapter part two of the starts. Plan. <laughs> not part of the plan. I mean, how did, I, how I did chapter two start? And I mean, at Twitter this time. Another company we may have heard of, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, not part of the plan. I mean, I thought I was going to be kind of a local American boy helping helping folks use digital and other other ways to make change. Um, but I um, serendipity. I mean, there were a bunch of former Googlers at uh, Google people at Twitter, and they said, "Hey, you know, do you want to help us figure out India and Asia Pacific?" And I said, "Wait, what?" You don't You're like, wait a minute, a, I've been there you before. You don't have a foot. Well, I remember my first reaction was sort of shock and awe because this is after the Arab Spring and Twitter yeah. was a thing. I loved using the invention. I, I, I couldn't believe that um, there wasn't really a formal effort underway in that part of the world. So it was a had me at hello, can't say no sort of moment um, because as a, as a believer in the power of people, power of place, power of stories, like that, that was an emergent thing in my career. It was like, 
how could I not help take this invention to that part of the world? So I got to be Twitter's um, first employee on the ground in India and most of Asia. That's crazy. And, yeah, I got there and I was I was alone in the market for about a year. I was the only Twitter dude running around um, trying to make things happen for a while, and then you know built built everything out um, before running to other markets. But it was it was quite as you might imagine. You know, running a bunch of things for Google in India is one thing, but the Twitter role took me to a whole nother corner of India, uh, right. corners of India in in the culture, right. living in Mumbai, and traveling. Did you get to travel to a lot of random locations in India as well? Uh, you know, I, I wanted to do more of it, but I did do, you know, I did try to leave the beaten path as much as I could. I gave a, I gave a speech, you were referencing your husband's speech, I gave a speech in tried to do it in Hindi in Lucknow to uh, hundreds of police officers it got to Orissa. Uh, but it was a lot of, a lot of Bombay and Delhi and a lot of, um, a lot of time kind of in the pop culture, entertainment culture, sports culture um, of India. Right. I mean, yeah. in, at, at Google, I had developed a pretty good sense of India's political culture. Um, at Twitter, I really developed an appreciation for youth culture um, entertainment culture, sports culture, and and the like, which was a crash course on, totally. on India. Yeah, I, I'm sure we can exchange some some exciting uh, pop culture Bollywood stories. I'm sure you have a few. Oh yeah, I mean it, it was because I was the guy. Keep in mind, I was the first one over there, so I'd have all these public figures, Bollywood stars, politicians, interacting with me on password issues, on <laughs> wanting their account verified, on renaming their account, and so. But at the same time, I was the executive there. And so I was also thinking about like the business and our product and uh, hiring and acquisitions and all that. So it was a, it was an up and down the totem pole sort of experience. So you, you were the Twitter guy, like with the bag, just knocking on the celebrity doors, helping them get into get log ways, onto their so, accounts. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the best word to describe that phase is um, evangelist. I was kind of the, I was like the evangelist. And, you know, Facebook was really big. Right. The 2014 Indian election was coming. And so we we were just really um, enthusiastic about our evangelism. And, you know, in India, you realize relationships are everything. You just um, and they still are everything to me. Right. Uh, just sort of focused a little bit less on the spreadsheet and a little bit more on sort of spirit of one's connection. Uh, yeah. But a lot of a lot of relationship building, a lot of WhatsApp. <laughs> oh um, yeah, we all love the WhatsApp, yeah, especially especially the, the big Indian family WhatsApps. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Still buzzing. Still, yeah. Sometimes you just gotta archive it. I'm like, you know what? That third budget you sent me is fine. It's great <laughs> from my cousin in Ahmedabad that I don't right. know very well, but right. yeah, we're done. We're done right. now. <laughs> right. Who who actually, out of curiosity, who actually tweeted in India for the first time? Who was the first tweet from? Ooh, well, there, there. The official answer is I don't know the first <laughs> official tweet, but okay. there are a number, number of public figures in India that would claim credit for being Twitter's. They, they would say to me, "You know, Rishi, well before you came here, I was the guy that made everyone, everyone have a Twitter account here." So, uh, Karan Johar, the film director, would right. say that to me right. a lot. A great guy and a great Twitter user. Uh, Shah Rukh Khan played a big role, I think, at the mean, beginning of Twitter. I was just going to name him anyways, and so yeah, 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 yeah might yeah. as well. No, he, yeah. he he was uh, was and still is a really 
extraordinary user of the platform. Uh, and then there are a number of politicians as well who were first movers. But there are a lot of people who would say, uh, you know, you you owe me, Rishi, because uh, I made sure <laughs> I made sure. I made sure everyone got on the platform well before you were here. That does um, not sound like India at all. I mean, <laughs> no one says that kind of stuff. I must be talking about a different country. <laughs> totally, Rishi. No idea what you're talking about. Never heard that <laughs> while I was there. That's so funny. so what do you think was your biggest takeaway from Chapter 2? Wow. I think my biggest ch- takeaway from Chapter 2 was how important culture is to taking an idea into how important breaking through the culture is when you're taking an idea into a place, right? When I was at Google and, you know, when you're sort of reading the technology, business, social change press, right? It all sounds like you're like a lot of button pressing, right? You've got to get your product right. You've got to spend this much on marketing and you've got to, um, and there you go. Success happens. I think what I really appreciated was the route to success, particularly in a market like India is finding your way into the zeitgeist, finding finding your brand, product, service, causes, causes way into the center of culture, into the center of conversation. And and I, I had underappreciated that. You know, when you get to India during chapter two, everyone's like, oh, you got to spend a lot of time on Bollywood and cricket and, 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 and elections. And I'd say, well, that's stereotypical India, right? right. I'm going to go do other things. But what you realize is, no, that's where you want to spend your time. If you, if you want, yeah. if you want, if you want to find your way to real scale in the market, you've got to wrestle with how you, how you ride those waves. Um, and so I think, I, I, I haven't lost that that appreciation now for everything is downstream from culture, right? I used to think sort of politics is the end all be all of the world, and everything flows from politics. And now I've really appreciated that, you know, culture. We can define what culture is. This is culture. What you're doing is culture creation. Um, so much flows from culture. And I think that was a pretty primary takeaway from chapter two, which also included, by the way, a stint in Singapore and time in many other Asia Pacific markets. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, the trifecta of Bollywood cricket, which I don't know about you, but I super got into, like would go to like every game. I'm like, who am I? What's happening to my life? Yeah, I couldn't have predicted it. I know. I was like, what's what's going on? Why am I so excited about everything? I went to the World <laughs> Cup when oh, India won. So we, yeah, oh, so lost. That's right. You were there in 2011. Right. Lost oh, my mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kingfishers, yeah. Old Monk. I mean, it was very, very pretty. Good memories to have in your reservoir, right? Particularly I mean, these so, days, right? so good. Like, just some of the best yeah. years we, we had together. I mean, and I love my kids, but, you know, San's kids as well. So <laughs> yeah. it's okay wherever you passed out. It didn't really matter. Um, <laughs> but, but anyways, and so before we get to Times Bridge, I mean, throughout this yeah. journey so far, you've had a lot of moves. You've had a lot of roles. Was this just your way of trying to figure out what your calling was or were you like we had talked before, just kind of following your soul and going with the flow? Yeah, I think I think I think the beginning of the story is just being tuned into um, tuned into my instinct, my soul, my sense of just what fuels what gets me high. Right. I mean, at the beginning, it's hard to really know what your calling is. But you should have a sense of what animates you, right? right? What gets you, whoa, that guy's enthusiastic about that, right? Like what fuels, what gets you high, 
right? And for me, what I what I knew got me excited and passionate in the early days of my career was when I'd work on places and when I'd work on place in particular when I'd work on a place like India or even like Detroit, right? Places that are a little bit maybe unseen, maybe misunderstood. Un- underdogs, or, maybe. Underdog, there you go, right? Like kind of right. places that um, I feel an attachment and affinity for because I want to help them um, shine, right? Right, right. I think, I think later now at this point in my career, I, I realize that the through line in my career is what you just said, which is I, I realize my calling is um, to work on place. My calling is to work on place and help people see places differently. And that, that could be in a whole number of ways across sectors. But at the beginning, it's about sort of, what animates you? What awakens you? And I think I go back to the lesson of my early years at Princeton, right? Where they were just like, focus on intellectual awakening and everything right. will from that. And so I'm kind of a poster child for that. But I do, of course, appreciate that. You know, I, I often tell people that I'm mentoring. I'm like, my story's weird. My story's not referenceable, right? It's, it's, it is, but it isn't, right? It's kind of just this strange, floaty, um, you know, kind of story, right. um, but, but it's been, it's been fun, but it's, it, of course it's been hard too, right? You know, when you do things that are different, when you make hard left turns, I'd gotten into business school, I was supposed to go to business school in the middle of it all. You know, when you move to Detroit with a, with an infant and everyone's like, what are you doing? Like you were just at Google. Of course there are hard days, right? When you're paying attention to yourself, your own playbook and not the playbook of others. Right. But in the end, I think it's, it's more fulfilling. Floaty. I I have felt floaty my whole life. Um, And so I'm glad you paid for that Princeton uh, tuition because that one piece of advice was totally worth it. Because I don't think I figured that out until I just turned 40. And yeah, I think I had, you know, I was talking about this this, with one of my guests and he was like, Mm. you know, what you are doing or have done all your life is you followed the energy. There you go. Yeah. And it just summed it up. And I was like, I feel so much better about everything. I did. I actually just, and I, I feel like that's what you did as well, you know? And Yeah. And as Steve Jobs says, dots make, dots connect and make sense when you look backwards, uh, as long as you focus and are true in the moment. Um, and that's not to say it's easy, um, right. but because our culture, speaking of culture, which is why stuff like this is amazing. Our culture applauds, uh, doesn't, doesn't always applaud this, right? Um, it applauds a finite number of things. And it's really important we have spaces to um, shine a light on and celebrate um, the other mainstream, right? Which, right. Is, which is which is to pay attention to your center. The floaty mainstream. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think, again, this is why I'm doing this is because I've never felt that my path was something that parents or whoever else was I was never getting that applause for doing what I was doing. It just never really made sense to anyone but myself. Right. Right. And so a lot of questioning and a lot of um, confusion and it all, it all worked out. It all worked it out. All worked out. It, it all worked out. So your current <laughs> role, uh, you've co-founded and now lead Times Bridge, the yep. US, U.S.'s largest investments and partnerships firm with a mission of bringing the world's best ideas tech to India. And you guys are capitalized by Times Group. Yep. All right. So this is chapter three or four. <laughs> chapter three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm sure there's a, a large story behind this, but what is the story behind the idea and then sure. the steps towards making this firm a reality? 
Well, at, at the essence, it's really a summation of all of these things, right? Right. The That's what it seems right? like, by the way. It yeah. seems like it all came yeah. together, right? It all came together into this one platform. I feel like I'm working on my senior thesis, which is which is a crazy. <laughs> uh, when that hit me a couple of years ago, I, I um, thought I'd put in a call to my professors or something. But yeah, you know what? What hit me five years ago was this. I took a step back and realized that I had played a role in helping ideas travel around the world. Um, and within markets. Um, and what I realized was that ideas don't travel evenly around the world, that we kind of leave to chance how they travel. And what I realized about India specifically was because of English, because of openness, and because of size, sort of every every idea does fine in India, like does okay. I mean, every, if you, if you were to open or launch something in India, I used to joke, hashtag, everybody's got a million users in India, right? Because of English openness and scale. But when, you, but when you're the guy um, or gal in India and you're actually sweating the market's opportunity, seeing the whole subcontinent, it can be frustrating because you know X idea could go deeper. Right? Totally. You know, you know, there's more to India than the Bombay Delhi press conference, three-day visit, see you later. Oh, my God, India look, looks great on my presentation for my board of directors. And so I wondered whether, and I'd, I'd experienced a lot of those themes in my career. And I said, what if I could start or help start a platform that helped a few select top tier world leading ideas see, engage with, and win in India differently? Uh, at the very least, be conscious of that India, even if it's hard for them to go across the subcontinent. And that's what Times Bridge is. I initially thought I might do kind of a consulting business or something like that, but um, was delighted and grateful to partner with the Times Group of India, which is India's oldest and largest media and digital company from the film may, may have heard of them. Maybe. Yeah. Like and Google, so we, Twitter. <laughs> there you go. And so what, what we do is we kind of take the soft power of our experiences in India around how to take digital ideas uh, to market in India. And we combine that soft power with the hard power of the Times Group and its reach and know-how and influence and we put those together and help a few big ideas each year um, see, win, and make an impact in India. So right. in the last five years, we've helped uh, you know Uber, Airbnb, Coursera, Headspace, um, nonprofits like um, Girl Effect, Malaria No More, companies like Smule, Wattpad, um, and 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 it's been really fun. It's been hard because you know essentially I'm telling the India story to really big global companies. And having to, and they necessarily, of course, are looking at an entire map of the world, not just uh, as much as we think they care uh, mostly about India. They're looking at a map of the world. And so, again, the art of now build for me, building relationships here right. in the US um, or in the Western world, so to speak, on behalf of the Indian market has been hard but really gratifying work. And then helping those ideas then win in India um, and, and, learn about India and have patience with India has been really hard, but fulfilling work too. And uh, uh, yeah, it's not, sometimes I take a step back and it's just can't believe that again, working sort of on the thesis, but that's, that's really the heart of times bridge. And we, we operate kind of sort of a bit of an investment firm, a bit of a consulting firm, a bit of an operations firm, again, depending on the nature of the, of the company we're talking to. 
Yeah. I mean, it all comes full circle, right? It all comes full circle. So in terms of like industries, is there a particular industry that you're looking at in the next few years that has tremendous growth in India? Slash, is there an industry that you are excited about, interested in and working with? Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. A lot of people will will kind of be curious about, are we, um, are we aiming at a particular sector or not? Right. I think, you know, we really look for like um, AKA audio. <clears throat> exactly. Like we've got probably three different things we care about when we're talking to a company. Thing number one is, are you proven in a home country, right? right. Have you, have you been able to take your idea in your home country or in, in another country to, to scale or to, to kind of cultural currency? Thing number two is, do you, do you animate around India? I mean, I come back to kind of what we talked about right earlier, which is, do you, is it obvious when we're interacting with you that um, at your founder, CEO, investor level, that there's a sense that India isn't just uh, a market with a bunch of zeros, but it's right. um, you, you sense that India is kind of something bigger. And then three, do you see kind of the value we can provide? And so when you do those three things, you know, it's, there's, there's a self-selection mechanism, right? It's actually hard to um, find companies that kind of puzzle piece perfectly with us, I think in practice, because of our consumer digital roots, of course, we've spent a lot of time in consumer digital media. We have our first enterprise and SaaS business we've done a deal with. Um, EdTech has been a really big space, of course, in India um, for the world and for Indian companies. Um, so we're pretty sector agnostic uh, and care a little bit more about um, what I what I just mentioned earlier. And then in terms of your actual team, I was reading obviously on your website, how, yeah. how have you been, been able to build the right team for this? Yeah. I mean, honestly, um, relationships, relationships, relationships. Yeah. I've never, I've never been great at the, um, kind of cold LinkedIn approach to hiring. Um, I, I've, I've, as you can tell from my story, I'm a rather serendipitous guy or, or I'm a rather embrace the serendipity of the moment right. kind of person. And so when I collide with people, however, um, serendipitously, I, 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 I take it seriously. Um, and so uh, most of this has been from folks that I've worked with. Most, most of the kind of core team at times were just folks I've worked with, uh, collaborated with over the right. last decade or so. Uh, but we are in the middle of kind of a, uh, a growth period. Uh, and so I suspect there'll be more and more people on the team who I haven't had deep soulful experiences with previously. <laughs> it seems like uh, you, you use your EQ quite a bit. Very, very high EQ. Yeah. I mean, you know, what's so interesting is kind of in the, in a tech world, right? Like the, I, I often tell, again, people I'm mentoring and um, that if, if so much of what we do is going to be automated one day from making PowerPoint decks to even, even giving remarks like your speeches, like if someone could just write, right? Like um, what do we do? And I think the answer is we just become more human. Right? right. The more human we are as leaders, as advisors, as consultants, as investors, as operators, as entrepreneurs, the better position we are to be successful because so much of all the other stuff um, ends up becoming commoditized. But right. uh, now I, I feel like I'm, I'm still um, a history major kind of figuring things out. Um, but I, I feel I feel really grateful that um, the way India sort of loomed loomed in my journey. Right. Well, look, the EQ and, and the being human part is 
what is going to set leaders apart, the right leaders apart, right? Then everything else can, people can emulate and copy. And so yeah, exactly, it's, just, it's right? so key to have that. Yeah. Otherwise you're basically listening to a bot, right? I mean, right. Uh, and I, and, and I, when I interview people, I often say, you know, I'm, I'm most, I'm less interested, of course, in the perfection of a resume and all that. I'm more interested in story, compass, the things they've said no to as an right. indication of who they are. Right. right. Um, and I think I'm just more interested in that because the people that are really successful are the people that just have conviction, right. For whom things aren't just a job. Uh, so. And no fear. The first thing no I did fear. when I got, well, the first thing I did when I got to Delhi was I uh, went to DJ school at DJ spin gurus. Wow. I was like, I gotta do something. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing or who these people are, but let's go. So it's like my husband's Ivy league certificates in his, uh, in his office. And then my, DJ spin gurus in the middle. All right. I was like, yeah. that was scarier than any school you got, you went to. <laughs> no, but you're ahead of the curve. That's what's going to matter in the future. Uh, hey, you know what? You know what's scary? DJing farm parties in Delhi. All right. That's, there you go. That, you don't mess around with those farm wow. party kids. <laughs> that, that's, that's awesome. If that's in the reservoir. Yeah. There's definitely a few stories on, on that. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I think this has been said many times, you know, India is kind of the place to build a billion dollar business and it's still considered a dark horse kind of the place to be. Is that, is that true? I know this is a very general generic statement, but do you agree with that? I mean, I think, I, I think so. I think it's the new world. I think it's, it's, um, you know, for folks who are, again, the way I frame it is less sort of in the, in the sense of the place to build the next unicorn, but a little bit more around the place to, experience big questions and big answers and that those muscles are um, a value creation in that environment obviously matter in the moment um, but then our 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 muscles you'll tap later in your career too right um, and I think I think um, all all I experience every day I mean uh, each day each week all I'm doing is talking to entrepreneurs and that's even that's even a little bit uh, too specific a word talking to creators and leaders and uh, thoughtful people about about India, and and it's you know I think the COVID pandemic has humbled a lot of folks around around the world around uh, for a lot of reasons, but particularly around how they grow and how they um, expand. And I think they're they're even more interested in markets like India that uh, have shown an ability to embrace global ideas. Right. Um, I mean, India India has got thousands of years of being conquered and invaded and. All of that right? stomped so on, in, yes. Yeah, India. India is just a, almost by historical experience, a porous place, right? Uh, and and so it's a place that cares about local, but it's a place that's willing to appreciate the global, and um, it's 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 happening right now. No, definitely. I was actually just reading an article. I think Spotify is starting a pro program called Sound Up. And, you know, obviously India's growing in the audio market, the podcast world there, the fourth shutdown, I think is happening now because of the pandemic, yeah. the audio industry there is, is growing so much. Like I, I was hearing a story from this girl that's working there that there's women that really never really had access to tech that are figuring out how to download podcasts on whatever mm. they have on their Android or whatever, um, and listening, which is so super cool, you know, and, and just <laughs> corner and every corner of India. So it's kind of exciting. All right. Last, I know we're, we're, we're at times up almost, but last fast round, first thing you can think of, Okay. what is the best compliment you've ever received? That I'm a good listener. That's a very good compliment. Audio. See, there you go. What would your parents describe what you do for a living? 
email. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love South Asian parents' versions <laughs> of what we do. My mom is like, Rishi, do you, what, what language do you speak? Do you speak Hindi? I speak, yeah, just Hindi. Just Hindi, okay. Uh, sometimes I bust out with my Gujarati. I won't, I won't do that for you. But my mom <laughs> just sometimes basically says, I have no idea what this, what this girl does. <laughs> Typical kind of question, but I just love hearing this. If you could have dinner with any three people that are alive, who would they be and why? Wow. Um, I would say Bono, Barack Obama, and Shah Rukh Khan. Shah Rukh Khan because Twitter, because he's the first person that ever tweeted, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the only reason. That's the um, only, he has done nothing yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, I think a global, musical, civic conversation yeah. could be fun. Yeah. Awesome. I'm going to join you for that one. Um, and I'm, from that one, I'm going to ask you something that I didn't have in my notes because I'm such a music lover. What has been your favorite concert ever and why? Ooh. The first thing that comes to mind is you uh, two at Madison Square Garden in like sort of 15, maybe 15-ish years ago. Um, and it was amazing because we were in you know not on the floor we were behind the stage at the top and sometimes those experiences are just the most authentic i think um, i was there what tour was this this is i think vertigo i'm not yeah. sure yeah I, was I mean there's probably 18 shows but still yeah yeah i just want to say we overlapped someplace either gorgon or bombay or, or there definitely so. happened <laughs> definitely definitely happened what would you pick for your last meal a new york slice of pizza for sure uh pizza is in my Twitter bio, uh, pizza is a, a big part of, you grow up vegetarian like I did in New York City. I, I, I can't get enough pizza. So pizza, uh, pizza for me for sure. I mean, can't go wrong. I'm vegetarian too. So I, I think we're just cousins. We're long lost cousins. That's what's, yeah. that's what's happening here. I'm like, I feel like I'm just copying everything your your path right now. If you could have a billboard with anything on it for free forever, what would it be and why? Wow. Think critically is what comes to mind. Uh, just a billboard that says think critically. I think just encouraging people to always be thinking uh, and to um, always be questioning. Uh, and that, that, that by, by that, I don't mean question authority necessarily, but just right. be thinking critically about oneself, about what one's consuming, uh, about, um, about the world in general, about their own purpose. I think the phrase critical thinking for me is um, been just, just loom large like other things have. So think critically. Think critically. So all my guests have these like really nice, thoughtful ideas. Mine I, for a billboard would be my picture in front of like the cure, like the band and pretending <laughs> like I got, I, I'm joining them for like a live event. And so, yeah, I should probably think of something a little bit more useful. Two more. What's something people seem to misunderstand about you? Hmm. I think people, you know, um, make, just by nature of my background, they they think I'm sort of, um, you know, got roots in Silicon Valley, got, you know, I'm a product and technology and software person right. sort of through and through. I think what they, what they miss is that I'm a humanist. I'm a humanist that sort of stumbled into the world of technology um, and, and found ways to be really successful in that world and feel fulfilled in that world. Um, and not, and that's the story, uh, not something else. My God, we definitely need more humanists in that industry. So thank, <laughs> thank God. And so I always ask my guests this as a last question. I am a big dancer. I used to break dance when I was a kid. So whenever you're in Greenwich, are you? would you be willing to have a dance-off? I'm in. In All fact, right. uh, at Greenwich High School back in the day, I won 
Best Dancer Award at what? the uh, annual annual senior class production called SRO. Oh wow! Look so it up. you Look really it up. you can actually bring it. Can't choreograph, but I will. I will uh, enthusiastically follow instructions. I'm a, I'm a free flower, so I, I mean between that and all my like my Gerba Ross championships. Um, I can, I can mix it up. So, um, yeah, we gotta do it. You gotta let me know when you're, when you're around. I I sure will. I have a feeling Rishi and I have many more stories to exchange about our time in India, which hopefully we can do when he visits his old hood. You guys, please follow Rishi on Twitter at R.S. Jaitley, which is spelled J-A-I-T-L-Y. Check out timesbridge.com to read more about all their fantastic work. As always, you can follow me at Tuckered Out Podcast. Check out the site, tuckeredoutwithummy.com. I have so many cool interviews coming up. I'm very excited. Thank you guys for listening. This is Tuckered Out. Tuckered Out.